Welcome to the Kitchen Island Podcast. Kippers, we're back. Tommy, we episode four now or three? This is what episode three, but we're going to be doing three. the fourth group we've done. Yes, yes, that's that's the one. Um, we're trying to bang these out before <laughs> before the <laughs> World Cup procrastination, <laughs> my friends. Uh, thanks for joining us. Um, today we are going to cover Group G, and to help us through this, my man from the United States of America needs no like, big introduction. Everyone knows him, Evan. How you doing, brother? <laughs> How are we doing, guys? It's great to see you guys in, in semi-person, the digital form for <laughs> yeah. it's been a while. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, listen, you you told me that um Brazil is your second home, my friend. So I think you can help us out to have a look at these uh these potential champions, man. Five-time World Cup winners. I mean, we're talking about the home of Pele, the original Ronaldo man, Joga Bonito, and of course the Maracana. Correct. America and I have been to four, four times, five times. What? Is it everything? I'm everything telling you, this is my second home, man. I've, what? Is it everything that, that they say it is, man? Like it is like on a bucket list, apparently. Like everyone should visit that. I mean, it Brazil and Rio, as you can see from the, the artwork that's kind of behind my head right there, um, which is part of the Cristo. Um it's it's my second home. I absolutely love that place, um, and obviously the the football. It that's that's what intrigued me at first, but then it was the the people, the art, the culture, the food, and everything from there. But the Americana itself, um, it's a cool experience. Is it a phenomenal stadium? Like no, it's it's Brazil. It's a little rundown. It's a little, little bit older. They've done some updates and stuff to it, but I mean you're watching with. 80 plus thousand people there and i mean it's it's a great experience i mean i saw chile and spain in the 14 world cup in americana and that was an experience um i saw england and costa rica play in belo horizonte which was not gremio Cruzeiro Stadium. Um, that was easily one of the worst experiences of my life to watch a game. The English support. Uh, I mean, Scouts not English, right? That's why we support yeah. Liverpool. But I mean, the the English national team support was not great. They they pretended that there was no rules for seats and tickets and just bunked in wherever they could, throwing stuff at people, and it was just like it felt like a fight was ready to be happening. Um, and I did not enjoy that at all. But the Maracana and Spain, Chile, wow. The support from Chile being in that stadium full for a World Cup game, man, it's it's good. But I've, I've seen quite a few games there. That's that's pretty sick. I don't have any World Cup. Uh, no, we had the – Tommy, we had the U, U17, was it, or U20? U20, U20. back U20. in – A, A, man. Uh, Aguero was here. Aguero, Aguero was to, here. Aguero was, came to Ottawa. <laughs> when he was here. I mean, <laughs> nice. Nice. Bro, but he was still a young guy. And, and yeah. Di Maria was there, too. Yep, yep. Di Maria. Yep. And um, <laughs> back uh, – and uh, kind of near neck of the woods, Evan. Uh, what's his name? The American – oh, my God, I can't believe. One, one of the, the biggest – um, Josie Altador and no, the biggest Freddie Adu. What's his name? Um, Freddie Adu. 
Freddie Adu, thank you. Oh my God, I see his head. I couldn't see his name. But I see his face. Uh, yeah, Freddie Adu. So he he lit it up. I remember against Brazil, and which featured also Pato. Um, yes. Guess- no, that was that was a good World Cup, man. I, I enjoyed that that U twenty, especially with the hope that we had from the U.S. Yeah, like it was like, like man, we we could actually do something. It looks like we've got hope, um, and well. We did not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you want me to be real with you? (laughs) We did not. Oh, Evan, Evan. All right. Well, you kind of touched on your experience in the World Cup, but like, let's say from from when you started watching footy to to now, uh, what's what's your favorite memory, favorite goal? Um, What what do you say to that? Favorite World Cup goal, and this ties into club, man. Uh, Michael Owen, 98, World Cup against Argentina, Argentina, the one that he scores moving across yep. to yeah. his right and puts in the top left corner. Mm. Um, being 5'6", being an attacker myself, like I just really took to Michael Owen. He was the one that opened the door for Liverpool. And basically in that 98 to 2000, 2001, um, being an American supporter and especially in a city that doesn't have – well, now we do um, with the Grizzlies, but like – we're used to kind of being able to choose our favorite teams. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like Memphis had football, soccer, whatever back then, especially growing up. Um, So picking favorite ice hockey teams, football, whatever, like you could pick and choose. And that's kind of the way it was like, okay, we're starting to watch professional soccer, man. Um, So it was like, what, what am I looking at? Michael Owen? I like that. Um, Eric Cantona, drew me in especially the nike ad with the the little collar flip up being a child at that time um i I really really enjoyed that um so i mean i was i was shopping united i was shopping liverpool and just the more i got to know about the club and everything uh was especially the the big test for me is when you're looking at multiple teams uh when they play each other you figure out pretty quickly who it is that you support and that uh that came through and it was like, all right, see you later, United. You don't have a, a chance here. Um, but yeah, that, that World Cup goal really stuck with me and kind of birthed my my club stuff. But I will never, ever, ever forget. And this, again, kind of um, fits in Michael Owen. 2002 World Cup, Korea and Japan, England-Brazil game. I love Brazil. I love Michael Owen. I am staying up till I don't know what hour it was. Yeah. They were the second late game of the night. So there was like a 12 o'clock game and like a 3 a.m. game or something like that. Or maybe it was 11 and 2. Whatever it was, the second game was ridiculous. Well, I stayed up for the first game, which was a pile of shit. It would have been like Sweden and somebody. And it was like, I don't care about this. I'm just waiting for England, Brazil. Come on, come on. Get there. Uh and obviously I passed out and I wake up at halftime. I've missed Owen's goal. I've missed Ronaldinho's uh, chip uh, from David Seaman. And I catch the second half. But I mean, like that, that feeling where I was at, at my parents' place at the time. I mean, again, I was I don't know, 18, 17, something like that. And I just remember being like, oh, my gosh, Ronaldo was back. It was just that World Cup is still to this day probably one of my favorites. Just the the Ronaldo back, the Brazil story, Owen, all that. Like I have such the the Fever Nova or whatever the name of the ball was, 
everything about that World Cup, I have a lot of love for, a lot of fond memories and all that. But, yeah, so that's the Michael Owen in 98, and I will never forget that game and waking up at halftime and seeing the highlights and be like, fuck, I missed, I missed Owen scoring, and this is going for it. <laughs> yeah, I was so mad, but I was so in for the second half. Um, but, yeah. So sorry for rambling on, but uh, no, that's I've got a that's lot fine. That's what we want, man. We, that's because we we share your passion, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I have uh, my previous part. I, I spoke about France, France '98, man. France '98 was a tournament for me, man. And um, and and yeah. So and I think Tommy, you you're you're in the same boat when it comes to that tournament. Yeah, I, I talked about you know the uh, the 2002 World Cup and return of Ronaldo yeah. after all of his injuries, despite his stupid hair thingy. The little, like <laughs> yo, but that became nothing. People, people still do it. He was like, like I, I want to be David Beckham, but I don't know how, and I don't have the same type of hair. So what can I do to be <laughs> crazy? And all right, I'll just leave a fucking chunk in the front of my hair. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that that one little uh, video of like I guess it's maybe the the brother older brother or the dad uh, asking his son okay what kind of haircut do you want he says oh the, you want the Ronaldo haircut no problem and he cuts it like Ronaldo 2000 he says there's only one Ronaldo <laughs> he's right yeah. oh Evan so but let's jump right into Brazil man because uh I've that's potential world world cup winner right there, man. One of the, one of the favorites, of course. Um, I do have some questions about the the team selection, um, but just within this group, I, I don't see anyone else topping this group. But um, no, yeah, we, we can talk no. about the games in a minute. But what's what's your your thoughts on the team selection? I'm intrigued. Man, uh, Tommy, I'll let, I'll let you let you jump in on this one first. Um, I'm, I'm just looking at it here. I mean, certainly people might ask questions about the fact that 39-year-old Danny Alves and 38-year-old Thiago Silva are included. Um, as Liverpool fans, we're wondering why Firmino's not in. Yeah. Um, you know, but you're taking a you take they're taking a, a risk bringing uh, taking a guy like um Mart- Martinelli or Pedro from Flamengo in favor in place of Flam- Flam- uh, Firmino. But um, you know, could fit in the tactics tactically. Uh, I'm looking at the midfield too. A lot of defensive midfielders. I mean, you got Casemiro, you got Fabinho, you got Fred. Um, two of those are good players. Basically, two good players and Fred. Um, so yeah, I don't know, but I do think that this is a team that should comfortably at least make the quarterfinals. Uh, I sort of look at the tree a little bit. Quarterfinals, they're likely up against either Germany or Spain. So that'll be a tough test, but I think they still think there's a really, really, stro- uh, really strong squad and a good amount of depth all across all through the pe- the, the the field. I, I think I think they they're they're top heavy to be honest. Um, I don't, you know, when I look at this list, I I forgot that Paketa was at West Ham. Unless this this is wrong. Unless this is wrong, he, he is. Not? But he's not. Yeah. Is he playing or is he injured or? I don't know. But they made it. They they according to this list, um, he's, hmm. he's there. Um, but my biggest thing is, is Richarlison. He he's done fucking nothing. He's done nothing. And 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 Evan, maybe it's because Firmino just doesn't fit in what um, what's his face is looking for. Could could that be it? One hundred percent. What it is. And so for the national team. Firmino has to be the center of creativity, right? That's what he is for Liverpool. He has Mane and Salah that run off of him, or Mane and Diaz. I mean, Salah and Diaz, or Darwin or whatever. 
Bobby works as a hub, whether it's checking into the midfield, whatever. Like that's that's his role. Brazil has a creator, and that creator isn't being supplanted or replaced by uh, Firmino, and that creator is Neymar. Neymar is very much the star of the show, and everything goes through him. And having Firmino in the team kind of works, and they've seen some success with it with the national team, but it's not the same because everything is going through that left forward position, which now Neymar is playing in the middle. And that's where Richarlison comes in and where Gabriel Jesus will come in is it's basically a four, two, four or like a four, two, three, one ish kind of, but it's very, very attacking. Um, even in the midfield, it's been Paqueta and Casemiro. And then it's been, uh, what's his name from from Leeds that's over at Rafinha would be on the right. You would have um, who's the left? On on what is Gimenez? Oh uh, yeah, Vinicius Junior will be oh, on yeah. the the left. But they're they're playing with basically five attackers. So yeah. uh, it's. Put your nuts on the table, and they're just rolling with it. Basically, is is yeah. the way that they're they're playing. But that's why they have those. You got Casemiro, you've got Fab, and possibly Fred, but only one of them will likely play at a time, max two, uh, and letting the other ones run. But the the problem for Firmino is age, how well he's done in the national team. He's been very hit or miss. Um, that's me watching them in Brazil with Brazilians. I've seen uh, the Copa America uh, in person and on TV over there and everything. But like their take on him is they're like, I, I like him, but I don't really know what he does. And then he gets a goal and assist and they're like, yeah, okay, Bobby Firmino. But he doesn't do for them the way he does for Liverpool. And it's, that's the big thing. And that, that, that without him being the creative hub for Brazil, it kind of doesn't make sense. You need speed. You need wide attackers. Um, and you really need a real center forward that goes forward. Because if you have Bobby in front of Neymar, and Neymar is supposed to be that player in the hole, Bobby doesn't make sense in that role. Bobby's not making runs in behind. Bobby's not a shooter. Um, that's just not his thing. So while I love Firmino, yes, he can frustrate me from time to time. I agree with the selection. Richarlison, I hate I fucking hate him. I would punch him in the face. Uh, My biggest fear is that Brazil win the World Cup and Richarlison is in the starting lineup. That's that's my fear is I I will be – it will be a little bit of sour taste because that's what I want. I want Brazil to get the sixth. Uh, The U.S. is not winning anything. Let's let's be real. Uh, But that's that's what I want is Brazil. It's my second home. I want them to do that, but I do not want Richarlison in the starting lineup. But he's played very, very well for them. His speed, his directness, and everybody else feeding him. He scores a lot of goals uh, in recent times for them. And, I mean, he's he's probably going to be the starting number nine with them. In fact, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, he's got the number of, nine shirt. Ahead of Jesus? Yep. Okay. Jesus, in my opinion, is a better player. But uh, I think we've discussed this before or not, but, like, Communication is the biggest thing in football, and that nonverbal communication is huge. You've got these players that have been playing together and 
got the repetitions all through qualification and that stuff, and they're starting to build uh, a team together and getting to know each other, that's more important than just sticking the best players in. And obviously this is a whole nother show, but this is why the U.S. is going to have such big problems. They can't borrow any communication from club soccer. Everybody plays in a different country, a different team, here, there, here, there, this, this, MLS, uh, Europe, whatever. They're all in different teams, playing different formations, playing all this stuff. And they also haven't been consistent. Each time that there's a U.S. selection, it's like, oh, well, this game I'll play this. And you know what? Let's try these MLS players. Let's do this. He's not building a team. He's just taking a look at individuals, and that's Greg Berhalter's biggest problem. But that's the opposite with Brazil is they're really starting to get repetitions, and that's where 39-year-old Danny Alves comes in. <laughs> He's old as fuck, but he knows these players. That He knows the communication. Think of James Milner, right? He's a much more talented James Milner in the locker room stuff, the being able to be a leader around so many young players. What, Vinny um, – like Vin- Anthony, probably- Rodrigo, Pedro, who's never been there, Gabriel Martinelli, <clears throat> um, which, again, if, if you're looking at Martinelli or Bobby, I love Bobby, but I'm taking Martinelli all day. He is absolute lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is a, you, you raise a really good point, Evan, that this is a this is a Brazil team built for speed. And because yeah. you look at like like Vinicius is lightning uh, quick, uh, Rodrigo he's quick, uh, Martinelli's quick, um, Richarlison as much as we hate him he's quick, uh, Rafinha's quick. This is a quick attack, really built for speed. Um, yeah. My one thing I'm just looking at there. How are we maybe uh, opposed to Evan there? How are they going to line up? How is Brazil going to line up defensively? I mean, presumably Militao is going to be one of the starting center backs, but who's going to be? It's going to be Militao and who? Um, is it going to be um, is it going to be Marquinhos, I guess, or are they going to be starting Thiago Silva regularly? I mean, I, I, again, I think that that you've got the Thiago Silva communication. You've got the the familiarity. He's still playing at Chelsea at a high level. I would not be surprised to see him starting while Marquinhos is a little bit younger. Um, I think they are going for responsibility and familiarity. At the back, and they're just building like two teams within the, the team. Here's the fuckers that are going to defend. Everybody else, go have fun. That's <laughs> kind of what I, I see happening with them. Yeah. That's fair. Uh, I, I, mean, I got a quick question for you because I was um, – so I, I kind of – not even, just kind of follow the uh, Brazil. But, uh, Gabriel Barbosa. He's a high. He's been. I'm pretty sure he's been decent for Flamengo. Like, where is he just not considered? Like, I, I thought for sure they were they would take him. He um, got his chance with the national team. I'd say over the last year and a half, two years, and he just never really grabbed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, for Flamengo and at club level, he's doing fantastic, but he just doesn't seem to do it at the national team level. And I think that's they're like, you know what? We've got these other ones. You've got Rodrigo. You've got Vinny. You've got these other players. Yeah. And Richarlison is performing. Gabriel Jesus performing. Where does he fit in? Absolutely not. He doesn't play as a, a wide player. He's more of a number nine. So are you taking him as a third number nine? Nah. Oh, fair, that's, fair that's what I think that the, the thought process is there. Because yeah. I've seen him play with Brazil again at – in person and even on the TV down there and talking to everybody. And I've seen 
him playing with Flamengo as well. Um, I think he's a, a a good player at that level who just that's that's why he's playing in Brazil at his his age instead of Europe. No, fair enough. Yeah, because he tried to make the move to Inter, I believe. I, I and think the, he played at Benfica as well. Maybe, okay. Maybe on loan or maybe got sold to them, but just never really, really hit it there. Um, No, for sure. Okay, can we just point a little little comedy here? It would really suck to be that third keeper. <laughs> you're looking at what's in front of you and you're just like, I am never going to play. <laughs> yeah, but think of it the opposite way is they're getting a chance to possibly win a World Cup and have no pressure. They're getting to see it from the inside of the locker room, train with those players and be a part of it. Yeah. Like, um, but yeah, that goalkeeping situation with Allison and Ederson, holy. I was going to say. Holy. Uh, I, I don't know, man. I, But, okay, we, we got to put it out there, especially like being Liverpool and, and Man City. Like, who do we rate more? Let's let's put away our bias. Uh, who? who uh, Allison's the better goalkeeper. Ederson's better with his feet. Yeah, I, I was think Allison's a better. Allison's a better shot stopper. Yeah, his his distribution once the ball's in his hands is phenomenal. Allison with the ball at his feet makes me want to jump off a bridge. Just think <laughs> about that: how he lets people press him and how yeah. slow he can be at times. And you're like, what's the matter with you? Like he almost gave up that goal against Spurs, and you're going, "What? What are you doing? How can you be so brilliant?" And maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's just it's what makes him human. He can't be a hundred percent the best at every single thing, and so there has to be some small weakness. That's what it is. But with, with that in mind, he's he's the starting keeper. I mean, it's close, and I mean, Allison goes down. There's no problem at all with Ederson playing, and they're, they're not going to lose much, but. Allison is a shot stopper and distribution with the ball in his hands, whether it's a throw, a punt. He's insane. Absolutely insane. But Ederson with passes back to his feet is better. But the other stuff, I think he's slightly worse. Yeah, and I think that and the, what we play, is, uh, the, the distribution, uh, like you talked about with his hands and that kind of stuff, plays into the fact that Brazil are such a quick team. He can really quickly distribute it so they can get the ball really quick. He gets it quick and can really boot it up park accurately quick so i think that they're going to rely on that so i think that's why tactically i think allison makes more sense now we need because our boy is here you know uh, fabinho and he's been out of form a little lack of confidence a little um thoughts on him maybe you know being around different players and maybe he can pick up on some energy get his form back you know what i mean i don't to be honest i don't know how much he's going to play in this world cup though that being said May, maybe again like i don't know if brazil wins the first two group games He'll play in the third to rest Casemiro. That yeah. might, that'll be the only time he sees the pitch, unless Casemiro has to come off. Yeah, or or unless it's just a time where they're leading late and need to shut things down a little bit. Maybe he'll come on to replace a forward. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that kind of thing. But yeah, he's not. I don't think he's going to be. Um, he's not going to be first choice in that role. It's going to be Casemiro. No, he he does not get much playing time there. It's just, I guess, it just sucks because at one point. Fabinho, I, for me, was ahead of Casemiro at one point. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, but what the difference was is that Casemiro had been playing in that role for two years before Fab reached the level where you could go. You know what? Fab's Fab's a little bit better. Yeah. But communication again being the key for that. He's so familiar with the plan 
playing in that role for the team, playing with uh, Chi-Chi as the coach, with those players around him, the familiarity and, and nonverbal communication is so much quicker than with Fab. And that's why you'd roll with that. Yeah. No, true. That's that's a, that's a good point. Um, but what I do like is is looking that Evan, you're you're able because you know you you got more your your football brain is is deeper, especially tactically, than than the way I look at it. So it's kinda it's kind of nice to to hear um that kind of point of view that it's not just and plus you're 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 in that business, right? It's not just who you put on the pitch, you know what I mean? Do they gel together? Can they communicate together? You know what I mean? All all that, all that stuff. And in a short period of time, because let's not forget, guys, this World Cup, like, when do they release the players? I, I can't remember. I think they have a week I think, or something like that. Yeah, like that's, something- the, the, that's the thing is that the time period for this World Cup is going to be the worst ever. Yeah. And uh, speak just kind of back a little bit more on that, and you'll see that with the teams is who's the most familiar, where the communication the best but this coaching course i took over the past year it was a year and a half ago now um raymond verheyen the egg uh he says the stuff he says on twitter to mess with people i'm telling you he is an absolute genius it is the best coaching course i've ever taken and anybody that takes the courses says kind of the same stuff but one of his quotes to when he's talking about what is a football action is he's describing communication, decision-making, execution. But he says, Pep Guardiola has won two World Cups. And then he goes into what he means by that. And he talks about Spain, the communication from the Barcelona players, and the communication that was borrowed from Real Madrid. So you basically had a starting 11 with 10 players, five each from each team, and then Torres, I think, was in there. So the communication between those players was massive. And the style of play was just like Guardiola's. And then the same thing happened for Germany. You had that group of players that was playing for Bayern Munich. that was all playing club level, playing that way. And then that was the kind of heartbeat of the German team. And you added the other pieces into it. But it was that that communication is what allowed those national teams to do it. And that's, that's what the U.S. soccer doesn't seem to know at all. Otherwise, they wouldn't be picking – random fruit basket turnover lineups each week just to see what happens, man. Like you need to build a team as much as you can. Yes. You're trying to look at some players, but these guys need to play with each other as much as possible. Um, And that's, that's where it's going to be a very, very interesting world cup is you're going to probably see teams that have either been together for a while or teams that can borrow communication from the club level who has a group of players that have playing for the same club or that have played together in the past for years. I, that's, that's what I would imagine is going to win this world cup. Yeah. No, well, I think that, that that's one, I think that there's going to be more wild card variables in this world cup. What you're talking about cohesion and uh, that's going to be important. And also injuries because normally, normally there's a month between the end of the European league seasons and the start of a world cup. This time it's one week. Thanks FIFA. sidebar yeah at least i don't know when it's released um in in the states uh evan but here we got that that netflix uh, fifa corruption or whatever documentary uh i don't know if it's a miniseries or a documentary coming out but uh it drops tomorrow here so that's gonna be super it's it's really netflix are just genius when it comes to releasing it you know how they're gonna release it just in time for the world cup around the corner you know what i mean 
And uh, and Tommy sent me an article with uh, Seth Blatter. I, I'm pretty sure he's going to feature there, and he's going to yeah. he's going well, He admitted that it was wrong, right? Yeah. He, yeah. Well, he went on the BBC. Uh, he interviewed BBC, and he's pleading the shaggy defense. It wasn't me. Um, by saying that he voted for the United States. Shaggy and defense. Well done. It's Tom. All, and it's all it was all Platini and UEFA that um, that voted for um, that voted for Qatar. It wasn't me. I had nothing to do with it. It was all Platini's fault because he got the Europe the UEFA block to vote for Qatar. Let me let me see your cars and your watches there, Seth. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Oh boy. Oh, oh, this? Oh, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Uh last thing I want to ask you about Brazil, uh, because I don't know this player at all. Pedro from Flamengo. I don't know him at all. Like, what are your thoughts on him? They like throwing in a local player. Um, he's killing it for Flamengo, scoring a lot of goals. They gave him a chance. I think he scored scored maybe one or two in recent national team games, and that's kind of what, what kept him around. But I think he's just third choice center forward, and they're trying to see. They, they like having somebody or a couple of players from home. But the, the crazy part for me is just the fact that of all the players that Brazil's now producing again, um, <coughs> How are they not producing fullbacks anymore? Again, yeah. the fact that Danny Alves yeah. is in there and has had to be for however many years, like, where are your right backs? Where are your left backs? What What's happening? Um, but it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing how countries have this. I remember however long <coughs> – excuse me. I had the, the flu a couple weeks ago, and this stuff has just not left my chest. Uh, but I remember Portugal basically not having a center forward for I don't know how many years. Yeah, they're just like <laughs> all these wide end tackles and Paleta. center mids, and it was like exactly. You're mm. like, what's this idiot doing there? <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Back before PSG was owned by uh, a nation state, you got go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this PSG forward. Yeah, he'll do well. Goodness. You ask the you ask the new PSG supporters, and he's like, "Oh, remember him?" And like, "Who?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that makes sense." Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> was it Rui uh, Costa who played for them as well? Uh, yeah, he did at some point. I remember. Uh, I remember JJ Okocha played for them. And, Okocha, um, yeah. Well, and uh, Ronaldinho uh, yeah. was yeah. there for a bit. Yeah. Same thing with um. Uh, was it not Lisa Razu? No, was it Lisa Razu who played for them? No, Jorkaev. Jorkaev. Jorkaev played. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> little sidebar there. Um, boo, 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 boo. <laughs> I think we're, are, are we okay to move on to Serbia? Yeah. Talk about like yeah. the rest of the last three we'll, we'll cover quickly. Cause this is. Yeah. Um, um so I'm, I'm just going to go in. So basically we got Serbia, Switzerland, Cameroon. They're all, they're pretty, pretty evenly matched teams. Um, I'm looking at Serbia. I think I'm sort of liking Serbia to, to be my second best. Um, they did really well in the qualifiers. They finished ahead of Portugal. Uh, they um, they have a like like Evan was talking about. They have a reputation for really having keeping a cohesive team. Uh, they also can produce surpri um, some surprises, uh, at least for young players, because the Serbian teams really uh, really produce a lot of young players. Red Star and Partizan return out. Really, really talented mm -hmm. young players. Um, they got some good firepower. Mitrovic's playing really well. Uh, they got um, Milinkovic Savic in the midfield, assuming he makes it. I don't know if he's entered or not. Uh, Dusan Tadic is still there. I think this is a, this is a really solid Serbia team, and I'm sort of I'm liking them to finish second in this group. 
No, for me, this I don't is, disagree at all, Tom. I think didn't the, they win a, a, a U20 World Cup or U17 like re, really recently? Ooh, top of my head, I'm not ooh, sure. I don't know. I, I, to be completely honest, I never completely write off, um, you know, these, these former Yugoslavian teams, I guess, well, countries that separate, you know, what I mean, they're all, they all have some, some decent players. Um, but yeah, Milikan Savage, you know, you, Tommy, we're talking about this. At one point, everyone was looking at him. I don't, and he just kind of like it cooled off. I'm not, I'm not sure what yeah, happened with it. I'm not sure that he's still, of... with La- he's, he's still with Lazio. Um, he's playing regularly for them. Um, yeah, there was a lot of link. Um, yeah, there was a lot of uh, linkages in the, at least in the last yeah. summer because he he had a really great season last year for them. Um, but yeah, I guess could have been just an asking price or something. I wasn't really paying that close attention to the transfer saga, but. I think he just missed his window. Yeah. I think he had the the hype around him, and he stuck around at Lazio. And is it a team that that doesn't really win too much? I mean, they're good enough, but they're not competing in the Champions League. So he's not being seen at that level each week. Yeah. And I think he just kind of lost the juice. I think he's still a very very good player. World Cup could be a window for him if he wants to try and make a move. But not playing in the Champions League and staying where he is, I think people have just kind of gone up. Oh, okay. That's what he wants to do. Yeah, well, I think that they they had a couple of good seasons. They qualified for the Champions League a couple of years ago, uh, and they were in Syria in the Scudetta contention for a while. Uh, Immobile was scoring a lot of goals. Uh, it was about yeah. two, three years. That ago. was when the interest was on him, yeah, right? Yeah, that was when the interest was on them, and then they, they and stopped. They, and and they, they've since finished sixth and fifth um, in, in the Syria. So that's sort of where things, um, yeah, where things sort of cooled off a little bit. Fair enough. No, I think that Serbian team could be a very very tough go for Brazil. I think that don't they play each other first? I actually yes. don't have the schedule for him, but I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a physicality. I believe so. Um, I think that could be a really tough one. Um, <coughs> much tougher than Brazil or anybody's going to think. I think Brazil can get it over the line, but it would not surprise me if if Serbia was able to steal something because I think that they are. They're they're a really good shout and kind of underdog. And again, it would be a team that there's not going to be tons of movement in. That's going to be a team that the communication is probably very cohesive and similar. And they're used to playing with each other. And with the the very little preparation, welcome to the party. A week later, you're playing games. I I think it's going to take some of these nations two, three games to really get going. I would imagine that, that that's going to be Brazil's toughest game, being an opening game and being one of the stronger teams yeah. in that, that group. Uh, moving on quickly, we got Switzerland afterwards. Switzerland got some uh, – Granite Jack is in good form. I'm um, looking at this team, a lot of, lot of good, but no, not, not a lot of great in the Switzerland team. So I, But I think that they're still going to be – I think they're going to be still a decent team, but yeah. I don't know if – I don't know if Shakira's going to get called up or not. You know, the man who ended up taking six weeks off – with with Liverpool because he had a hair transplant and he didn't know that he couldn't do anything, <laughs> so the club like he's injured or he he's away on personal leave. <laughs> oh, <yeah. Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but but yeah, so but you know what? Uh, credit to Switzerland, they they knocked out France in in the Euro, right? Yeah, and then um, they topped the group that featured Italy, right? So like. 
like we've mentioned before, Tommy, these there's there's countries who, you know, they've earned the right to be there. So, yeah. but when at the big stage, maybe they'll get put, uh, you know, at a different, they're going to be at a different level. So uh, Switzerland might be, might be that. But like you say, Tommy, there's, uh, I don't know them, too many of them. There's they're still decent, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And finally- they've overachieved for such a while now that this might've been like their peak overachievement is finishing ahead of Italy. And was it that they were that much better than them? Or was it that Italy just decided to jump off a cliff? As we know with Liverpool supporters right now, it can happen. And it doesn't mean that your team's worse. That's just where they were in the cycle. But I feel like Switzerland has been punching above their weight for a long time. And a lot of it was Xhaka Shakiri, Xhaka Shakiri. Right. Shakiri's not really playing. I mean, didn't didn't he just flop in MLS and now he's back in Switzerland playing for like FC Lugano or something like that? Is he really? Yo, I still thought he was in the MLS. Wow, I missed a beat there. Yeah. No, like maybe a couple weeks ago I saw him wearing that stuff and I'm going, Jesus, Shaq. Yeah. Okay, but I think I think Shaq's star is going to be the way that, that Switzerland goes. Granted, Shaq is on form, but he he ain't controlling <coughs> the yeah. the World Cup from yeah, true. what he's yeah. doing. Because the rather potent potent player in the last few years, Seferovic, um, he's with Galatasaray right now, which is still a decent team. But I think he's it's I think I think Switzerland peaked about two years ago. Yeah, true. Yeah, true. Tommy, wrap it up with Cameroon. Cameroon. Um, the one thing about you mentioned Evan about Cameroon is consistency. Cameroon have used about seventy players in the last year. Uh. I don't know very few many of them, so I really don't know. Um, you got um, Maxim Chupamoting from Bayern Munich. Uh, you got uh, uh, Zembuangisa from Napoli, um, and then uh, yeah, apart from that, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, uh, guys, but, we might cut out. We're less than a minute yeah. here, so yeah. so anyway, I think that who knows? Who knows? They could do really well, or they could flame out and score and get nothing. I really don't know. Third in the group, but they they do well. My guess. Absolutely. Yeah, competitive enough, I'll say. Yeah. Switzerland will be bottom. Yeah. Anyway, that that route that we're gonna run out of time. So group G, that's it. Uh Brazil is Brazil. But uh Evan, thanks for coming, man. Thanks for for, for joining us. We loved yeah. your picking out your pleasure, man. Thing. Sorry I'm trying to eat my dinner at the same time. <laughs> All right, Kippers. Well the last part of that uh uh, that episode got cut off, but uh, basically want to thank you for uh, listening and uh, till next time. Thanks. Thanks.